Welcome to this episode of the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. The mission of the Greenville Oaks Church of Christ is to inspire people to follow Jesus because we are convinced that following Jesus is the best way of life possible. Find out more about Greenville Oaks or connect with us online at greenvilleoaks.org. As always, we ask that you subscribe to, rate, and review our podcast. It makes it easier for others to find us. And now, on to this week's message with Lead Minister Colin Packer. Good morning. I want to welcome you as we are continuing our series titled Anchored, Holding Fast to What Matters to God. Now, many of you have been with us throughout this entire series, but some of you, this may be your first time joining us at Greenville Oaks uh, Worshiping Online. We just want to welcome you. I want to let you know that we're glad that you have joined us. And I want to update you a little bit on what this series has focused on so that you can be caught up with the rest uh, of our church. In these lessons, I'm doing my best to remind us as a people of what we can count on to be true about God in the midst of the storms that we're all facing. As we find ourselves in the middle of the storm, it's vital that we hold on to truths that can stabilize us, that can anchor us. And so anchor number one in this series is the truth that God loves us. Anchor number two is that God is among us, that he desires relationship with his people. Anchor number three, God prepares us, that even the suffering that we're enduring may be part of the preparation God is doing for whatever the good works he has in store for us to do may be. Today we're going to discover another truth that we can count on about God, and we see this truth most clearly through the life of Jesus Christ. So let me encourage you to grab a Bible if you don't have one near you, or to open your phone to the Bible app and be ready to follow along as I read in Scripture in just a bit. But let's begin with prayer as we open God's Word together. Our Father, our God, we come before you as your people, grateful to be called your children, grateful that you love us, Grateful that you desire to be among us. Grateful that you are preparing us, even in this time. God, this morning as we look at another truth of your character that has been true throughout the generations and we are assured will be true right now, I pray that you would confirm this truth to us. That you would help us see that you are alive and active in the world and that you would allow us to experience your presence, to be overflowing with hope and the power of the Holy Spirit so we might overflow onto others the love you have for all people. This morning, God, I pray you would pour through me the gift of preaching so that Christ would be formed in our hearts. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And the church said, amen. Well, today's anchor, anchor number four, is this. Our God is a selfless servant. Our God is a selfless servant. Now, now this is a counterintuitive idea in the history of religion. You go back to those elementary and high school classes where you read about the Greek and Roman myths, about the gods uh, uh, that were written about in ancient times. You realize those gods wouldn't be described as selfless. Christianity, though, offers a different description, a different understanding of the God, the divine force behind all things who we worship. We believe in a God who created all things, and yet he cares about each and every one of us. Yes, God loves us. God loves you. Each and every one who can hear my voice. And the supreme example of God's love was the decision God made to send his son, Jesus, into the world. One of the most read Bible verses, one of the most quoted Bible verses 
that you might remember is a verse in the Gospel of John, chapter 3, 16. Let me read it to you now. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. This verse perfectly explains the kind of God that we serve. In fact, you'll notice a couple of the anchors from our series in this. It starts off by saying that, for God so loved the world. That's anchor number one in our series. God loves us. And then comes anchor number four that we're focused on this morning. Because of God's love. For God so loved the world, He gave us His one and only Son. God is selfless. God is the one who's willing to serve the needs of humans that He loves so much. So why did God give His one and only Son? Well, it says it at the end of chapter 316. That whosoever believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. Now, if you've never heard the good news before, if you've never been presented the message of salvation that God offers to us, this is what it is. Jesus is the one we are to believe in. If you want to live with God eternally, to be reconciled with God, to have your sins forgiven, which is something that we all need, the way toward that is to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And it was a selfless God who sends His Son into the world to make that possible. But imagine the selfless decision it was for Jesus to leave the comforts of heaven with His Father and to come to earth and be born as a human being. I mean, who would make that trade? Who would make that decision? The Apostle Paul actually writes about that decision. In the book of Philippians, as he writes to Christians that are struggling in their own time with struggles uh, a lot like ours in many ways. And this is what he writes, reflecting on what Jesus was willing to do as the selfless servant of all. This is Ephesians 2, verse 5 and following. He says to the Philippians and to us, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus makes this strange trade. He's, He's in heaven with the Father. He's equal with God. He has a great relationship with the Godhead, with the Spirit of God present. But he chooses to give all that up. And to be created in the image of a human being. To go through the suffering that we endure as well. And not just the suffering we're enduring right now. He endured the suffering of a cross on our behalf. Jesus made himself nothing while he was on the earth. Paul says he took the very nature of a servant. And the supreme example of humility and service is Jesus' willing decision to unjustly suffer at the hands of the Roman Empire and the Jewish leaders of the time who crucified him on a cross because they were threatened by him. I'm so grateful for the decision that Jesus made to undergo that. He could have called 10,000 angels, as we've sung in the past, to make sure that he came off of that cross and to overtake the Romans. But he didn't do that. He was willingly able to go and submit to death on our behalf. But Jesus didn't just one day decide to die selflessly. No, Jesus lived a sacrificial, selfless life every single day of his life. And it was Jesus' commitment to service and selflessness every single day that prepared him for the big decision of selflessness 
that he decides to give up on the cross. It's vital that we understand this principle in our everyday lives. A lot of us, if given the chance, if we needed to sacrifice our lives for those that we love, our our family or close friends, we would willingly give up our life in their place. We, We think about that a lot, right? The big decisions of sacrifice we might need to make. But the harder thing is to live a day in, day out, selfless existence. And it's actually those little decisions of selflessness that prepare us for the big decisions that we may or may not have to make. One of the re- lessons Jesus life of Jesus' life is that the daily sacrificial decisions are the preparatory work that we put in so that we can make the right decision if called to make a major sacrificial decision. In October of 2013, Kent and Amber Brantley and their two children moved to Liberia, West Africa to serve as medical missionaries, to, to share the love of Jesus And Kent was using it as a medical doctor to heal people along the way. Well, six months later, March of 2014, was the first time that Kent and his family heard about the Ebola outbreak that was occurring around uh, that time in their country. And by July of that year, Amber and the kids were back in the U.S. Kent had to make one of the most difficult calls of his life. He called home to his wife Amber and told her that he had Ebola. Kent and Amber were actually students at Abilene Christian University when I was on campus. Some of you likely may know them as well. You probably remember them. They were on, he was on the cover of Time as one of the uh, heroes of the year that year. They grew up in wonderful Christian families who had taught them the story of Jesus from an early age. But back to Liberia. Kent made the most difficult phone call of his life to his wife Amber because they knew exactly what this disease did to ravage human bodies. They'd worked and served with those who had had that same situation occur to them. And they knew what both of them, what this diagnosis meant. One out of the dozens they had worked with, only one had survived Ebola. They had both had the disadvantage of knowing exactly how the disease ends. And as Kent was facing his own mortality, the husband and father of these two young kids found out that there was an experimental serum that was being flown to treat him and Nancy, his medical partner, who had also contracted Ebola. But as if it were a plot twist in a movie, once the medicine got there, they discovered that there was only enough for one of them to take. And Kent offered it to Nancy. In a moment where fear had every opportunity to cause Kent to convince everyone that he deserved the medicine because he had young kids, He chose self-sacrificial love rather than self-protective fear. Now, when I first heard that story, I can tell you my heart swelled. I knew who Kent was. I knew who Amber was. And I knew this would be a difficult decision for their family. But I saw the testimony it might just be about Christians and how we interact in the world. But it also made my heart break because I knew that family. And I knew the grief that could be on their doorstep. In a world where everyone is fighting to get theirs, here's a guy who wasn't, and everyone in the world was paying attention. And as I thought about that decision to make the big sacrificial decision in Kent's life, I thought, I wonder how long it it took for him to make that decision, to give the serum to Nancy instead of himself. And you know the answer I've come up with? I think it took Kent decades to make that decision. 
decades of day-in, day-out sacrificial decisions. Decisions to give up life in America and to go live in Liberia because the gospel of Jesus Christ demanded that it go out into all the world. It was the selfless decisions every single day in Kent's life that led him to make the big decision that God got the glory for. Selfless decisions don't come naturally to us. Selfless decisions come because of commitments to do the small acts of sacrifice and selfless love in our everyday lives. We see the selfless decisions of Jesus in his ministry beginning early on. After Jesus is baptized in the Jordan River by his cousin John, he is led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. He's fasting and he's undergoing temptation. And in the wilderness, that's where the temptation comes. The devil appeared to Jesus and three times uh, tested him in specific ways. In the first temptation, the devil tempts Jesus to use his power to turn the many stones around him in the wilderness into bread. After all, Jesus was hungry. What would be the problem of making bread and at least being able to sustain himself? But Jesus has been fasting in the desert and he refuses to give up that fast for this temptation. And then the, the devil takes him to Jerusalem and has him stand on the highest point of the temple. And he tempts him to jump off the temple and have the angels come and carry him and save him from falling. But Jesus refuses to put God to the test. Finally, the devil took Jesus up on a very high mountain. And he showed him all the kingdoms of the world. Imagine he showed them in the mountains around Rome. The the Rome that had been built, that Caesar had built. The power of that empire. Maybe it was Jerusalem that God was showing the Roman Empire had taken over. And the majesty of what Herod had built as temples to himself. As houses. So Jesus looks over it. And the devil offers him, I will give you all the kingdoms of the world if you will just bow down and worship me. It's the temptation to use power to accomplish God's agenda. And Jesus refuses worldly power. He's not here to build an earthly kingdom or sit on a throne. The kingdom Jesus is announcing will be very different from the kingdoms of the world. But not everyone is able to resist the power of the kingdoms of this world. Turn with me, if you would, to the Gospel of Mark chapter 10. There's a story there that I want to read to us that I think is incredibly relevant to what's going on around us at this time. In Mark 10, Jesus is on his way to the cross. And he's told his disciples plainly what's about to happen. He's going to die. He says in three days he's going to be raised. They don't have a clue what he's saying. And they make that clear over and over again as they argue about who's greatest on the road. But, but they come to this scene in, in, in Mark chapter 10 and And I want to read this story because there's a bold request that two of Jesus' closest friends, James and John, make about what they desire. And it it lets us in a little bit on the selflessness of Jesus that isn't necessarily getting passed on to those around him. Mark 10, verses 35 and following. It says there, Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you? he He asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. I don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you, drop, drink the cup I, can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. And Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they've been prepared. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. 
James and John boldly asked to sit at Jesus' right and his left in his glory. They're asking for seats of power in the kingdom that Jesus is about to establish. And it makes you wonder, what exactly do they think this kingdom is going to look like? What do they think these days to come are going to look like as Jesus somehow takes the place of Caesar, perhaps? He sits on a throne. He has a kingdom that he's over. Do they think that Jesus is about to start a revolution? He's going to overthrow the Romans and finally take that land back that God had given them years before? You see, their imaginations have been formed by the political leaders of their day. They want influence. They want power. They want to reign beside King Jesus and be safe in ways they haven't been before. And they're thinking of themselves and the seats they can occupy in Jesus' cabinet when he comes into his glory. But Jesus has something else in mind. He had already refused the devil's temptation to sit in power over the kingdoms of the world. What James and John don't understand is to sit at Jesus' right and left in his glory. It's not to sit on thrones beside Jesus making important decisions for nations. It's going to mean being crucified beside him on a cross if they really want that position because Jesus' glory is most clearly shown through a cross. Listen to what Jesus said to them. These are his words in response. Mark 10, 42. Jesus called them together and said, You know that, the, that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus says, James and John, you're, you're looking to those who rule over others. Look into those who lord it over the Gentiles. But Jesus says, not so with you. Greatness in Jesus' kingdom isn't about power and authority. The great ones in the kingdom of God are the servants. And then comes the powerful line in verse 45. For even the Son of Man, Jesus said, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, it's easy for us to look down our noses at James and John and wonder what they were thinking. To deride them for being obsessed with power and authority. But let's get real for a moment. For the past two weeks, many of us have gotten wrapped up in the power games of our own country. Over the past two weeks, you've heard speakers on virtual stages uh, speak at the Democratic and Republican National Conventions, trying to stir up your emotions about the state of our country and why a particular candidate has the answers. Speakers in both parties have tried to convince you that this election is the most important election in the history of this nation or maybe even the history of the world. They tried to convince you that if the other candidate is voted into the office, it will mean the end of America. There's a good chance that you've experienced all kinds of emotions as you've watched your social media feeds over the last few weeks and you've watched your friends align in different places. Perhaps you've done some aligning yourself. Perhaps we need to hear the words of Jesus once again, not as words that were spoken to James and John, but as words that are written and still live today in the midst of the time we live in. I want to read again Jesus' words, and I want you to hear it in light of what we've experienced the last couple of weeks, in light of the coming weeks, and we know the challenge that we have in the midst of, of the country we're in. But let me remind us as followers of Jesus, our marching orders from our King. 
Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Not so with us, church. We don't play the power games and bow our knee to the devil in order to win the kingdoms of this world. No, our hope is not in cabinet positions or or in any of those things. Our hope is in a Savior, a Lamb, who sacrificed Himself. And it means that if we want to follow Jesus, we're not coming to power, we're coming to take up our own crosses. The greatest in the kingdom of God are not those who take up power and authority and influence. The greatest in the kingdom of God are the greatest servants. The ones who bend their knee who have empathy for others and walk beside them for their needs to be met. Listen to me, church. No matter what happens on November 3rd, let me assure you of this. The kingdom of God is not in trouble. Our hope is not in a donkey or an elephant, but in the lamb. Our anchor this week is extremely relevant. Our God is the selfless God who shows up on earth in the person of Jesus Christ, lives a sinless life and refuses to bow to Satan to take up power, but instead chooses to lay down his rights, chooses to lay down his equality with God, not to use it to his own advantage, but to bless our lives and to give us the possibility of eternal life and to institute and announce the reign of God in this world. So let us follow his lead in this time of division in our country. Our hope is not in who gets elected to office. Our hope is not in authority and power. Our hope is in the crucified Savior who came to save the world. Not to, uh, to, to, to serve in power over the world, but to lay down his power and to serve the world and to die as a ransom for many. May we follow his example, church. Let us pray. Father, this is a relevant word in the midst of our time. An anchor that reminds us of who you are and who you call us to be in the midst of the shifting sands and the stirring seas around us. So God, we want to put our anchor down deep to confess that our hopes have sometimes been put in places they should not be. To be reminded that it is not power and the exercise of control over others that gives us hope or that transforms the world. It is sacrificial love, selfless love that we show on an everyday basis. God, I don't know how many who are listening to this message may have big decisions in their life of sacrifice ahead of us. We do believe you prepare us for those moments. But the way you prepare, prepare us in this sense of the big decisions of sacrifice and selfless love is through the countless small decisions in our lives of selfless love and sacrifice that we can give. Help us to demonstrate the selflessness that you so well demonstrated in Jesus Christ. And help us also to not be worried about anything in the midst of this season of turmoil in our country, but to present our request to you and to lay our lives down on behalf of our neighbors, those that know you and love you and those who don't yet. It's in the powerful name of Jesus, the Lamb, that we pray. 
Thank you for listening to this message from the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. We hope this message helps you to inspire people to follow Jesus because you're convinced, like we are, that following Jesus is the best way of life possible. We invite you to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. Discover more about the Greenville Oaks Church online at greenvilleoaks.org.